Today's reading is Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion, Praise the Lord, my soul. Great. Thanks so much, Steve. And thanks, Claire, as well. Um, it's great to be with you all this lunchtime. Thanks for tuning in, um, despite all the gorgeous sunshine outside. And um, shall we pray as we begin? Heavenly Father, thank you for this psalm and for the many reasons within it to praise you. Please be with us now as we look at it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we begin, let me ask you a question. Do you ever find yourself talking to yourself? Maybe it's having spent way too much time in my own company during lockdown, but I definitely do this. Whether it's urging myself to get out of bed, reminding myself that I have a job to do, or reminding myself to stay calm and take deep breaths when someone I find infuriating comes on TV, Sometimes you just need to give yourself a good talking to. And here in Psalm 103, we find that David is talking to himself. He is giving himself this great pep talk. The whole psalm is directed towards himself rather than God, as he urges himself to praise the Lord. And it's there in the very first verse. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, Praise his holy name. 
David is rousing himself to praise and not just a superficial lip service kind of praise, but a praise that rises up from the very depths of his being. The reality is that we all need this reminder too. We don't always feel like praising God. Maybe we are going through a difficult time and everything is going wrong. We wonder where God is or how he could let that happen. Or on the flip side, maybe everything is going really well and we just get swept up in it and forget to give God the glory. Or maybe we are just really busy. For those of us working in Parliament, it can be all too easy for our busy schedules to crowd out opportunities for praise. But however you're feeling this lunchtime, I pray that this psalm is an encouragement to you. You may have noticed that unlike many of the psalms, it is not rooted in any specific circumstances. It is a song for all of us. And David identifies the cause of our disinclination to praise in verse two. It's because we forget God's benefits. It is so easy to forget good things. Our brains are like sieves with massive holes when it comes to retaining God's goodness. So we need to consciously remind ourselves. And this is what David does in this psalm. He remembers. This isn't just an exercise in mental recall, like when we remember to put the bins out. This is about remembering in such a way that it changes us. It's about allowing the truths we remember to go deep down so they warm our hearts and transform our outlooks. And what David remembers can be broadly split into two groups. Remembering what God has done, and at the root of this, remembering who God is. David dives into the first of these, remembering what God has done, in verses three to six of our psalm. He lists off so many things that God has done. It's like he started and then just couldn't stop. He's overflowing with praise. So let's have a quick whistle-stop tour of what God is up to. Firstly, we see in verse three that he forgives all your sins. All those times we mess up and fail to live up to God's standards and God offers forgiveness. We'll come back to this bit later. And then he heals all your diseases. He brings life and healing. We experience some of this now, but for some full healing won't come until the new creation. But our God is a healer. And then he redeems your life from the pit. Essentially, God lifts us up out of our mess and brokenness. He turns lives around now and gives us the hope of the resurrection of our bodies in the future. He crowns you with love and compassion. Not only are we forgiven and redeemed, we are also crowned, elevated to a place of honour. He satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. God gives purpose and fulfilment and true satisfaction which in turn leads to refreshment. That image of an eagle is one of buoyant, tireless strength that comes from relying on God rather than chasing after other things to satisfy us. 
And finally, he works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Taking a wider view, God is at work overturning evil and injustice wherever it is found. Now, that's a lot of ground that David covers in four verses. It might be a bit of an information overload, but David is stressing just how much God has done and is doing. I wonder, looking back, where God has been at work in your life. All these promises are things we can claim for ourselves. He has forgiven and redeemed you. He crowns you with love and compassion. He gives true satisfaction in a world desperately searching for it. He is at work overturning injustice and offering hope and freedom for all those who are oppressed. What an amazing God. But of course you might say, that all sounds great, but I don't feel forgiven and redeemed. I don't feel crowned and satisfied and all the rest. Or you might say, okay, maybe God does that for other people, but what about me? He might have done it in the past for David and the other heroes of the Bible, but how do I know that God will do any of this for me? Well, David addresses this in the next part of our psalm when he remembers who God is. Our confidence in what God has done is founded on this. We can trust that because of who God is, he will continue to act in a certain way, even if we struggle to see it at the moment. Just like we trust a doctor because of their medical training, which makes them a doctor, we trust God's actions because of who he is. So David moves on to remembering who God is. And to do so, he looks back to Moses and the events of the Exodus, when God freed his people from slavery in Egypt. David directly quotes from Exodus chapter 34. To set the scene, Moses and the people of Israel have left Egypt and are now in the wilderness. God has just given the Ten Commandments inscribed on stone tablets. When Moses comes down the mountain, he discovers that the people are worshipping a golden calf instead of God. In his anger, Moses breaks the stone tablets and it looks like the relationship between God and his people is irrevocably broken. But Moses pleads with God and God relents. Moses asks to see God's glory and while God won't show him his face as otherwise he would die, he instead shelters him in a rock and passes by proclaiming his name. This is a moment of great significance. Names in the ancient world revealed a lot about someone's character. So let's see how God chooses to define himself. I'll read out a few verses from Exodus 34. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up Mount Sinai early in the morning. As the Lord had commanded him and he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God slow to anger, 
abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Here in verse eight of Psalm 103, we get almost an exact quote of Exodus 34. We get the essence of God's character and his defining characteristics. Let's have a quick run through them. Firstly, we see that he is compassionate. Compassion is defined as a strong feeling of sympathy and sadness for other people's suffering and a desire to help. The Hebrew goes deeper than that. The Hebrew word used here is connected to the word for female womb and speaks of that primal love and desire to protect that a mother has for her young. Just think of a lioness protecting her cubs and you'll get some idea of the depths of love and affection involved here. Then we see that he is gracious, meaning that God shows grace and favour. He blesses people even when they don't deserve it. Combined with compassionate, this reveals a God who not only loves strongly, but who does something about it. Then he is slow to anger. Yes, God does sometimes get angry, and he has every right to. But unlike us, who are so often quick to fly off the handle, God is slow to anger. When he gets angry, it's a last resort, and it's always proportionate and just. And then finally, he is abounding in love. As if we haven't already grasped this, it's spelled out that God is overflowing with love. This isn't just a warm, fuzzy feeling kind of love. The Hebrew word used is better translated as steadfast love or unfailing love. This is a love that is not shaken, a love that does not wax and wane as circumstances change. God loves with a faithfulness that endures and which will go to any lengths. All of this is trying to put into words just how amazing and loving God is. A God overflowing with love and mercy and compassion and grace, who will not abandon his people, even if time and time again they abandon him. But there's more. So far, David has pretty much directly quoted Exodus 34. But I wonder if you notice the different ending. In Exodus, it goes on to say, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. But in verses 9 to 10 of Psalm 103, David writes, He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. What is going on here? Is David trying to rewrite the Exodus passage? Well, both passages emphasise the issue of sin. Every time we turn away from God and choose to live our life our way instead of his, it's like we're putting up a barrier between us and God. I'm really sorry about that drilling. A barrier that means we cannot be in the presence of a holy God. We cannot have a relationship with him. 
God is a just God, and we who are guilty deserve to be punished for our sin. But this isn't the end of the story. The thread of God's mercy, which is very much there in Exodus 34, is teased out in Psalm 103. Where punishment is deserved, there is mercy instead. To paraphrase one of my favourite worship songs, our sin is great, but God's love is greater. Or as David puts it in verses 11 to 12, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just look at the extent of God's love. It is immeasurable. As high as the heavens are above the earth, a distance no one can fathom or ever map out. And because of God's mercy, look how far away our sins are taken, as far from us as can be. The distance between east and west can never be measured. It is an infinite distance. It's not just that our sins are taken away slightly, they are obliterated. Every sin, every lie, every unkind thought, every selfish action is gone. We are given a completely fresh start. Now David wouldn't have known how this was possible. After all, how can a just God be merciful? But we have the benefit of knowing where this counterbalance of justice and mercy can be found. It is revealed in Jesus Christ and was fulfilled at the cross. God sees us in our mess and in our brokenness. And because of his great love, because he is compassionate and gracious, he stepped down into human history as Jesus Christ to live the perfect life and to die the perfect death in our place, to take on the punishment for our sin and defeat it utterly, to pave the way for us to return to God. There is no greater example of love. At the cross, God fulfilled these verses in Psalm 103 showing the extent of his love. As Jesus declared on the cross, it is finished. We are set free. Our sin no longer has any hold on us. And the extent of God's love just keeps on coming. David moves from the fast distances of verses 11 to 12 to the intimacy of a father and his children in verse 13. Not only are we forgiven, we are adopted into the family. I don't know about you, but one of the new freedoms I'm enjoying at the moment is being able to hug family members again. And we get to enjoy the intimacy of the father's embrace. So David both remembers what God has done, but also fundamentally who God is. And remembering all that, the only response is praise. In verses 20 to 22, we see that we've gone from the quietude of one soul praising God, the great cacophony of praise, as David summons all the angels and all of creation to join in. It is to this great chorus 
that we are each to add our tune. Praise the Lord, my soul. For those of us trusting in Jesus, we can claim these great promises ourselves. The steadfast love of the Lord, the forgiveness of our sins. Like David, it can be so easy to forget just what God has done and just how awesome he is. Like David, we need to constantly remind ourselves to give ourselves a pep talk, to rehearse and remember all these amazing truths. I love that song we sang earlier, which is based on this psalm. And in particular, I love the line in the second verse. For all your goodness, I will keep on singing. 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. It's a reminder that there are so many reasons to praise God. All we have to do is go looking for them. And if you're here and you're not sure what you believe, or maybe you know that you haven't yet put your trust in Jesus, let me just say, this awesome God loves you too. These truths and promises can be for you too. Do keep coming back to these services. And do chat to a Christian friend or grab Claire, Mark or myself. And we'd love to help you discover more about this amazing God. Amen.